0: Well, this is called Why We Stayed. If you're here, stay. Well, welcome back to the Why We Stayed podcast. Man, I am exceptionally pumped for another West Coaster that's going to be joining us uh, here today. Uh, this one is not from California, but he is from the beautiful, beautiful state of Washington, and uh, man, just just excited uh, that he's going to be joining us. But one of the most exciting parts about about this one that's going to be joining us is uh, we have. A little bit of similarities when it comes to some of our interest points, but I think you really take the cake when it comes to some of the content that you've been putting out. But if you are interested in theology, if you are interested in, man, what does that even mean? Or if you're deep in it and you just want to chew it and absorb it and digest it, this guy is putting out content today that is actually reengaging my interest and my emphasis on theology. And so, I just want to welcome to the to the platform Austin Mole. Austin, how are you, man? I'm doing so good. I'm happy to be on the podcast. I'm dude, pumped. we are happy to have you. From beautiful Washington. Ugh, dude, I you know, as I was describing Washington, I was like I've only been there once, but when my wife and I were driving like something about like the pine trees, the weather, just like the vibe was like, dude, I I can dig this yeah Um, yeah it's good so anyway well dude tell us a little bit about for those that uh, obviously there's some people on here that are only listening because you're on here so thank you for that Uh, but for those that don't know you they don't know your story maybe just give us like a quick maybe three minute synopsis of kind of uh, your story and kind of what you're doing uh, nowadays
1: yeah absolutely so I grew I was born in Portland Oregon and my dad was the junior high pastor at a church there. We helped start a church in Vancouver, Washington, probably 20, 30 minutes away or so, where he was just the main youth pastor at a church there for 13-ish years or so. Um, during that time, I loved youth ministry, and I wasn't old enough to be in youth ministry, so that was the cool part. So I got to go to all the cool parties and the camps nice. and the events, but... Um, when we moved, I was 15, almost 16, to Tri-Cities, Washington, where we planted a brand new church. And um, there was no clear like youth pastor, and I was really passionate about uh, youth ministry and preaching and reaching people uh, with the good news of Jesus. I had started Bible studies and stuff like that in, in middle school and my freshman, sophomore year, stuff like that. So it was always something I was passionate about. So I had been preaching at my youth group as kind of the untitled youth pastor at 16 and 17. And then when I turned 18, I was a senior in high school. I actually became the youth pastor. Wow. Um, and so, yeah, that following year, I uh, did some Bible college online and uh, almost got a degree. <laughs> <And> so <laughs> there it is. There it is. And then, um, yeah, I did the church internship um, uh, thing, and I did that. I was doing Bible college online. I uh, was working two jobs, and I was the volunteer youth pastor at my church, and was having a blast. Woof. About a year later, I got hired on part time, and then about seventy months after that, got hired on full time. So I, you know, I've been pretty much the youth pastor at almost twenty five right now for almost eight years.
0: Wow. At our church,
1: the official youth pastor. So it's been an absolute blast for me, and it's also been the hardest thing I've ever done. <laughs> well, dude, let me all... let me.
0: Yeah, no, no, go. Well, I, I was, I was gonna say like all I'm imagining is like a 16 year old kid sitting at the lunchroom, right? Like mm. you guys are like figuring out, do I want a cookie and ice cream? Do I want right. just one? Like, what am I trying to do? And you guys are talking about normal stuff, and then you're like, yeah, man, I, you know, I just. I got to prepare my message for tonight, and um, and, and like I, I'm literally just picturing yeah. like a youth pastor in a 16 year old body, in like yeah. the processing of all of that. That is insane, uh, but that's amazing. Well, I, I love it. It, ca- it kind of worked out to my advantage.
1: I mean, uh, for the time being, because I, um, it's always great when. Uh, it's easier for it was easier for me to invite somebody to church in, in high school when I was like, yo, I'm speaking tonight and they didn't know I spoke most nights. Sure. And so, um, yeah, some of my best friends came to know Jesus who were um, told definitely would not consider themselves a Christian and are still in our church today uh, because of a simple invite of like, hey, I'm preaching tonight. And they thought it was just like really cool, like I got this opportunity, but they didn't know I was doing it most nights. And so, yeah. In some ways, there was a lot of pressure, but most of the pressure for me actually came when I went into full time ministry. That was sure. the harder part. The only, the only funny thing in high school about preaching most nights at a youth group, uh, at a newer church, is it, exactly what you said. Like they were all trying to figure out where they were going to go to college and what they were going to do <laughs> with their lives, and they felt like they had no idea, and they didn't want to get married till they were thirty five and traveled the world, and but they didn't know what they wanted to do. And since the earliest I can remember, I wanted to be a youth pastor. So it made it made it a little easier just to know from the get-go what I was wanting to do.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, let me, let me ask it this way, too, because it sounds like what you experienced at 16 was not what you experienced at 18 or at 19 when you ultimately yeah. became the youth pastor. I, yeah. I imagine whether someone's listening right now that maybe feels called to ministry or maybe they Um, at 16, maybe they felt like they knew what they wanted to do and maybe it was to be a teacher or to be, um, you know, a doctor or, or, or whatever. Um, but I imagine that there's some similarities in the fact that maybe what you thought it was going to be like versus what it actually was like, maybe give us a little bit of insight as to what you mean by that.
1: Yeah. So this is, and this is kind of the vulnerable part of some of my story with church. And this is where it was probably the roughest season of my life. Um, our our youth ministry slowly grew over time just because partially because our church grew. Right. So we, you know, we, I don't even take credit for that. You know, like some of the biggest youth ministries in America come from the biggest churches and that just makes sense. So as our church got bigger, so did our youth ministry. Um, But there came a, there, there was a, I think I was around 21 years old um, and our youth ministry really began to just grow rapidly um, and so there, there's some probably some reasons behind that, but it it's, it started like just going up in crazy numbers. We were packing out our sanctuary at our church, and it was awesome, but there was a lot of stress with it. And the stress was not like oh I gotta maintain the numbers of our youth ministry. For me, it was I really love youth ministry, but I think I might've loved it too much more than I even cared for my own personal, mental, physical health, stuff like that. So I, I started, I gained actually probably 76, 77, 78 pounds, somewhere around there over wow. uh, from from just until last November when I started to lose weight. Um, so for five or six years, I started gaining weight um had really bad habits in my life and it was all because i think i was just i don't even want to say burnout because um i don't i don't want to say it's that but i really just started feeling pressure um to be perfect you know the problem the problem with a lot of people that are in ministry and, or in any sort of leadership is they feel like they're damned if they say something and they're damned if they don't and so right. they don't know how to escape pressure and that was kind of me so um, just learn that praying more and worshiping louder is not going to cure it. But, um, anyways, to answer your question a little bit more specifically for me, it was, it grew, but then after it grew, um, we didn't really invest a lot of time into some of those younger students. A lot of those kids graduated and moved on and our youth ministry dropped down in numbers dramatically. And honestly, it's embarrassing to say this, that actually affected, I think like just my day-to-day happiness and so um i was staying up super late watching netflix not because i cared but because i was trying to just escape reality for a little bit really late at night i was ordering uber eats really late at night eating french fries all this stuff and it was really just because um i was just battling uh some insecurity lack of discipline all that stuff and so i never really partied in high school never really I would say, quote unquote, walked away from God or walked away from church. I loved God. I, I love church. The problem was me. for me was really going, um, I feel like I could never mess up or, yeah. you know, or anything like that or share kind of what I'm dealing with. And that's how I felt. Yeah. And I knew that wasn't the truth, but that's how it feels. And we go by what we feel, not what we know.
0: It's very so, good, man. I mean, that's that's not good, but that's that's yeah, that's that's yeah. incredible for you to share yeah. that because I think that there's there's this significant misconception that uh, just because ministry is going well, that the leader is doing well, and Absolutely. and there's also there's also maybe this this thought process where um, you know just just because. Uh, you know, numbers are high uh, now. That means that there's fruitfulness, or now that means that the people that are coming are really getting what's happening, right? I mean, I think there's a significant. Uh, I'm sorry, there's a significant difference between a crowd, like people that just simply gather, and then really uh, a community of people that are actually yeah. bought in. And 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 what does bought in mean? It means you know, I'm. I'm reading the Bible on my own or I'm, you know, choosing to say that when I wake up today, I have a faith that's my own. It's not dependent upon my youth pastor. It's not dependent upon some small group leader, but this is my faith. It's not my parents. It's not my grandparents and so on and so forth. And, you know, I think first off, I just appreciate your vulnerability, Austin, because I think that there's so many people that actually refuse to be a leader because number one, they've projected that perfection. And then number two, they think that they themselves are just not worthy to lead because they they have their own junk that they're dealing with. And I just think the freedom that you just shared is the fact that, no, you don't have to be perfect, but dang, when you are going through stuff, take a moment to not believe that lie, but to say, hey, like mentor or friend or brother or parent or whatever, I'm going through something. And man, I really, I really need some, some support here. So maybe yeah. share with us, man, what was that moment like? Cause again, it sounds like you saw it happening, you experienced it happening, but there's a difference between seeing something and saying something. There's a difference between seeing an issue or seeing a pattern and then actually addressing it and taking ownership over your life and saying, you know what, I'm going to actually do something about this. When, when did that shift take, shift take place for, for you? Yeah, I I think just as
1: dangerous as being really wounded is being numb. And I think for a few years there, I was just numb. You know, I I think I would have moments of inspiration in church and moments of encouragement. But overall, when I went home and laid my head on the pillow, I just felt numb. And I think that can be just as bad of a place as being extremely wounded, uh, because you don't know that you're not feeling anything. And that's kind of how I felt. Um, You know, my... about two years, you know, two years ago, my wife and I we got married, and um, we our first year, um, a little over two years ago, our first our first six months were were, were hard for us. We were working through a lot of stuff, and um, we sought out marriage counseling, and it absolutely changed the total direction of our marriage. And I'm awesome. so big on counseling. There's two things I'm really big on, on am trying to redefine for people in church. And so I say this in my youth ministry all the time. I talk to them about counseling and I talk to them about partying. And I tell mm-hmm. them basically that I go to counseling and I tell them I like to party. Because when they think <laughs> of counseling, they think you got to go to a psych ward because there's something wrong with you. Yeah. And when they think of partying, they think of people getting drunk who are underage. And so I want them to know, hey, just as, I think both of those are important, you gotta enjoy life and you should party and celebrate life. At the yep. same time, it's okay you got some messed up stuff and you need to talk to somebody just in principle So I'm trying to change the definition of that um, For me though, you know it happened when I was actually in counseling I go to, I go to counseling once every month and and a lot of times we, see, we we don't do the right thing because we haven't we haven't experienced maybe uh, rock bottom yet but I see counseling as a prevention, not just a reaction. And Beautiful. so I, I try to I try to uh, keep myself healthy even if I feel healthy right now, I just knowing you know I need godly people to speak into my life who are wise. And so um, th- that's a huge thing that that's really what kind of helped me. Uh, see, I, am really struggling right now with a lot of different things. And so I I liken it to like this, this is what I felt like my life looked like for about four or five, you know, maybe four years or so, you know, some moments worse than others. I was with a buddy one time. He was, uh, we were driving to lunch and he was in his truck and his car, his truck started making a weird noise. And so he just turned up the music (laughs) Yeah, and he's like, I don't want to hear the noise. And I think what I was doing was I was um, treating my pain, but I was not addressing my problem. And um, and so it's kind of like it's kind of like taking throat spray if you have a you know it's it, like it numbs your throat you know yeah, like yeah. You, if your throat you know if your throat hurts, but I need antibiotics <laughs> and I yeah. need stuff that's actually going to kill the root of this. And so yeah, I was um, I was burning both ends of the wick where I was staying up really late trying to just get my mind off stuff by watching so much television, eating consistently horrible food to make me feel better, and on top of a lot of other things. Those are just two examples. And I think that was just turning up the noise. And so um, anyways, at some point, though, if, if, if you don't take the car to the maintenance shop, it's just going to explode. And I think I was on the verge of that. And I had some godly people in my life tell me, Um, what this, the, your habits, your lifestyle, they're not helping you relieve pressure. They're just kind of drowning it out. And so that's what I kind of feel like my life
0: was at at that moment. Well, Austin, it's, it's so, again, thank you so much for the vulnerability because as, as I, as I think about even the purpose of starting this podcast, right, I think about the hundreds I mean I mean truly hundreds of young adults that have left the church thousands mm. uh, across the globe but um, you know there there's certainly I would say just between people that I'm close with uh, or at least are aware of I mean uh, probably a hundred or so names that I could probably write down right now people that have left the church and mm. again I think one of the primary reasons at least that I've experienced is it starts with, well, God, you know, there was this promise that when I was a young person, and again, I'm not, I'm not trying to make a general statement for all, so please, for those listening, this is not a general statement. But um, there, there was a common theme that would say that when I was younger, there was this promise that when I follow God, when I pursue God, that my problems and my sin and my issues and my struggles and my shame and all that stuff, slowly but surely as I follow God, those things will go away or those things will no longer be um, hurts or hangups that will actually affect my relationship with God. The issue comes, just like you're sharing, where what what happens when I am pursuing God and yet I'm still struggling? What happens when I am actually leading in church, but I can't lead myself? And And as that juxtaposition starts to happen, as those things start to take place, all of a sudden now there's this issue where we start to not just question, God, but we start to question the church, we start to question our faith, and I've seen too often people letting questions dictate their faith, even though they don't have answers to them. And, and I think what, what I love about what you're sharing is you haven't been afraid to ask the question, but even taking it a step further, you're actually trying to find the answer, you're trying to find the solution, and yeah. again, doing that through counseling, doing that through um, healthy conflict and healthy decision making. And, and, dude, I just I can't commend you enough, man, for not just asking the question, but for choosing to pursue the answer, man. I think that is absolute gold for those for those that are listening. And, you know, even as you were talking, man, I just imagine that there is specifically with weight, right? I mean, I I can think of you know some friends that. Uh, There's other sins that you can confess and that, of course, there's shame associated, but maybe people can't see it as easily as they could see weight. Um, But man, I, I know that there are significant health, emotional, of course, physical things that come with 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 health but what, what would you say, or sorry, with weight, but what would you say to those that are listening that maybe are struggling with weight and they've tried different diets, they've tried different workout plans, but they just can't seem to kind of find the thing that's, that's helping them? Uh, what advice might you give them?
1: Well, I, I, let me just say this when it comes to the weight stuff. I, um, when it comes to battling with that, uh, N.T. Wright, a theologian, says, um, God wants to save your whole, W-H-O-L-E. And so we kind of get this idea sometimes in church that like, hey, your soul is the only thing that matters, right? You know, you just hey, you just need to come forward, you just need to get prayer, you know, and yeah. that's actually not true. Like God actually wants to do something in our physical bodies in our spiritual lives and in our soul in our heart in every in everything that we are and what I've been really thinking about lately that's been helping me a bunch is that all three of those are more connected than we realize and when we do one we do something positive for one of those it can it can somehow ripple effect on the other ones and so I believe taking care of your body is just as much spiritual and soulful as me praying or reading the Bible in a sense. I, I'm not trying to say losing weight is equivalent to reading the Bible, but what happens is, is, um we we kind of just go like spiritual life is the most important thing, and the problem is those things are never supposed to be in competition with each other. The Bible never mm. me- never makes that claim, so y- you can say that Jesus does say nothing's worth more than your soul, but I don't I don't believe he's saying that in the context of going. Um, Listen, it doesn't matter what you do with your physical health. Doesn't matter what you touch, what you look at, what you eat, what you drink. Doesn't matter. I, I, be, I believe that our soul is the most important, but how do we take care of it? Well, part of that is how we take care of our body and how we take care of our spirit. And, and here's the thing, when we get to heaven, we're not going to be Floating souls. We're going to have a renewed body. So God obviously wants to keep the body thing around. All I'm trying to say is is that we have to place an importance on all of who we are, the whole of who we are, and not just our spiritual lives. And if we do that, we're really going to be neglecting the two-thirds of who we are. And and one last thing I'll say is this. I, I I think I think we think of sin wrongly sometimes because of our just our, our American culture. So we, we think of sin as you're just breaking a rule and you're you're just doing something morally wrong. But really there's a much deeper definition of sin and there's a deeper root of sin. That happens. And if we can understand that, it will help us flourish in our body, soul, spirit. Sin was not, for for like Israel, sin was not just um, breaking a moral code. It was not being an image bearer of God. It was actually not reflecting who he was to the other nations. They were not being a light to the other nations. So the the reason we're supposed to live holy lives and different lives is not just because God's sitting in heaven going, Yeah, I just, here's some random lists. I hope you guys do them.
0: Yeah. yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> and if you
1: break them, I'm going to I'm going to kill my son because I'm so mad that you guys, you know, that you did that. And when, when that's kind of how we talk about sin, like God, hey, guys, God's not happy with your sin, man. OK, he has a better life for you. And they're like, actually, no, what I'm doing is pretty fun. We have to give people a purpose as to why God wants them to flourish. And the purpose is is that God actually wants us to reflect his image on the earth. And when we sin, we are no we're living no different than those who don't know Christ. And it's so good. I want to reflect God in all of me, and that means I gotta take care of my body, my soul, and my spirit. So that's kind of a lengthy answer. But no, they're just good, all man. more they're all more connected. And it's not just like, hey, don't sin. There's a purpose and a reason behind it.
0: And um and yeah. So, so good. And 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 one of the things that you said that I just couldn't help but think, right, is that when Jesus is walking him, mean, he's one of the only Uh, You know, I I guess religious figures that would say that God actually walked the earth, right? That our Savior, our, our God walked the earth. And he actually chose as one of his only expressions, well, really his only expression of being a human being, he chose to do that. He chose to be 100% man and 100% God, and so again, when he endured the cross, when he is hanging up on a cross, when he's getting whipped, when he's getting spit on, when he has a crown of thorns on his head, he's feeling that—that that is actually physically happening to his body. And I think again, just to empathize, you know, with with what you're saying, but also with with the listener, I think that that Christ understands uh, not just the the other side like the healthy side but he understands the struggling side too he understands the side when the body is hurting and the body is not operating the way that it's supposed to operate and so again if you're listening and if you feel like you've tried everything that there is to try and you just feel like you're alone in it Man, just just know that Jesus doesn't just come to bless you in the church setting, but He comes to bless you even in the physical setting, even in even at the gym or you know when you're eating or whatever those things are. Um, but man, th- thanks so much for sharing that, and and obviously for those listening, you could start to kind of hear a little bit of some of that theology side that obviously is in you, Austin. Maybe for those listening that have no idea even what the word theology means. Maybe they've heard people say it in church, or maybe they've heard it, you know, maybe they're a college student that's listening and they've heard someone talk about, quote-unquote, theology. Number one, what does that mean? And then number two, why why have you just kind of, all, you know, developed this significant interest in it?
1: Yeah, well, what it means, I, I would say, in a basic definition is the study of God, right? And so um, how, do we, how do we know who God is? It's found in Scripture. And... Um, why I'm passionate about theology. I mean, to be honest, this is not a sexy answer, but I I feel this way. I feel like if as a youth pastor, if I don't teach people hermeneutics, if I don't teach them how to interpret the Bible, they're gonna read for 20 years the same thing over and over. And so we can be reading the Bible all our whole lives and actually never get a different perspective or a deeper truth in it. And so uh, I just I, I don't know what it is in me, but there's this burden, there's this passion in me to go. I want to help young people understand the Bible better. And so here's what that looks like for me. Like just one example is I, three weeks ago at my youth ministry, I preached on how we're royal priests. Okay, it's that's not the coolest topic, but sure. what I love doing is going. How do these things actually apply? And make sense to our life because. Here's 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 something for everyone listening. Everything that's weird in the Bible that doesn't make sense to us, it's just because we don't understand the context. And so theology is so import, important in that way. And if we just if we if we leave people with surface level understanding of Scripture, when they're confronted with life issues that don't make sense, and when they're confronted with a professor or a friend who walked away from the faith or something like that and we only kind of have this surface-level understanding of the Bible, um, then our well is not going to be very deep to draw from when it comes to helping somebody else or even to understanding what God's taking us through right now. And so um, I want to help people have a deeper well when it comes to Scripture. And so that's just a, a, a huge passion of mine. And, um, and, and I, I think the reason theology is applicable to our lives because you know, like, how does it make a big difference? How does studying the Old Testament really help me live today? Is is really because the, God doesn't care if you just read the Bible or even study it. He doesn't. He cares if you apply it. Yeah. And so we can be hearers of the word, but not doers, as James one says. Um, but how how are we going to better apply God's word if we don't better understand it? And so knowledge always has to be paired with love. I think that's the beautiful pairing. But that's why I'm passionate about theology and that's why I'm passionate about helping people understand the Bible better, because it is a piece of work. <laughs> it is hard yeah, to understand. Yeah. It's very hard to understand and it's confusing. And in some ways it's supposed to be, I think. But um I that that's that's what I'm passionate about. And so um yeah, it's, Dude, it's, no, it's changed it's, my it's, life.
0: That's that's incredible, man. And one of the one of the things as you were talking, this will probably be kind of where we land the the conversation tonight, but one, one of the things that you were saying as you were talking has really been kind of messing with my mind uh, over, I guess, the past few years, I guess, at this point. And it's super relevant to what we're talking about because we've already talked about health and fitness and food and and, and, and some of those things as well. But I found that when when you're a young adult, like a lot of our listeners are, when when you're a young adult you have really solidified or you're starting to solidify the things that you're good at, the things that you're that you know at least a little bit about, your interests like you're you're really beginning to kind of settle in those things. And I've found that whenever someone take Christianity out of it for a second, whenever someone steps into something that they're not comfortable with or that they don't know much about. So get, uh, I'll give you an example when, when me when I walked into um, the gym, When I walked into a CrossFit class for the first time, I felt so ill-equipped to be there, number one, but then when they were telling me, go to this equipment and pick this up and do that, I didn't know the names of the equipment. I didn't know, I mean, I I literally felt like embarrassed. I, I felt like I don't want to be here. and. Um, I, I I literally just just had to really, really tune in and focus. But it, it was interesting because the other people that were there that actually love CrossFit, they study it, they're a part of it, all of a sudden they were helping me out and going, no, 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 hey, here's this, and they're super passionate about it. And I found that if I were to invite those people to church into a setting that they don't know much about, or if I were to say to them, hey, like I read this Bible verse and here's what I thought, they would look at me and feel embarrassed. They'd feel... You know, they would feel ill-equipped. They would feel like, oh man, I have no idea what you're talking about. And it would actually drive them away. It would actually cause them to feel like, oh, like you're a professional. You're the one that knows. You're the expert. I'll just follow you. You be my trainer. You be my Bible trainer. And I'll just follow you, right? And, and so again, I don't know if I'm just totally off off pace here, but I th- there is this part of me, right where I feel like as young adults, we almost chalk it up to, well, no, I just, I don't know much about that. Let somebody else read it. Let somebody else, uh, let let some pastor read it and, and regurgitate it to me on Sunday and that'll be good enough. Uh, but yeah. no, actually God wants a relationship with you, right? He doesn't just want Absolutely. a speaker to talk to you. He wants a relationship with you. And I think in the age of social media and these celebrity pastors that, you know, can, can send out this incredible Instagram content where we listen to a 15 second clip I'm here to tell you that that 15-second clip is incredible, but it's not God. It's not the voice of heaven that God wants to come and meet you where you are in your circumstance. God can use it, but, man, it is not him. And one of the last things, man, that I just want to end on is for those that are listening that maybe, um, maybe they've tried to read the Bible and they just can't, like, get it, they just can't really dig into it, or maybe they've never even considered reading the Bible what advice would you have for them, even practically, when it comes to um, maybe a Bible reading plan or if they were to just pick up one book of the Bible, like where should they start? Um, and again, I know this is a kind of a vague question, but what advice That's might good. you have for someone if they were to say, you know what, after listening to this, maybe I'll give this a shot for the next five days, for the next week, I'll start on Monday and I'll read you know, a couple chapters a day. What advice might you give them?
1: Okay. No, that's good. I, I, So, I got three quick things. Here's what they are. <laughs> okay. uh, the first one is this. Theology is best studied in community. And so, um, that will help you from exactly what you're saying. I call it, don't be a secondhand smoker. Okay? Don't. Um, someone who's a secondhand smoker, they're not the one smoking. They're just getting the effects of the other person don't be that and so the, the way you do that is you can study by yourself but also talk about it with friends actually talk about theology talk about um heaven talk about uh the gifts of the spirit where you land on all these things process with people theology is all is always best studied in community and where cults have even been birthed is when one leader has total authority to be able to change someone's belief and that's obviously an extreme example, but one way to always help you grow in understanding stuff is in community. Second one is do it daily. And what I recommend to people is this, don't, don't care about how much you're reading a day, care that you just read it every day. And so for very me, good. I don't have a lot of time for how much I'm gonna read that day. There, there's days where I've read a few verses and I chew on that for a long time. There's also days where I've read A lot, but it just depends on the day a little bit, and I don't think God has a checklist up in heaven. This keeps it from being too routine for people. So I I I turn my phone on Do Not Disturb, and I read from my phone uh, because it's most. I I used to hate it because I got distracted, but I turn on Do Not Disturb, so nothing's notifying my phone, and I'll just read at a coffee shop every morning. And the goal is to open up that app once a day, and that will help you do it daily. And then the last thing would be is. Um, if you're if you really wanting to go deeper into the Bible, um, start with a specific topic. Don't just say, hey, I want to learn all about the Bible um, because that that's a, it's a big book. You got to start somewhere specific. So <laughs> yeah, I tell yeah. people this, if you ask specific questions, you get specific answers. And so uh, a cannonball is trying to make a, a, a big splash everywhere, but it, you're not going very deep. A dive makes a little splash everywhere, but you go deep. And the best way to start with studying scripture is not by trying to hit everything, but because you're not going to go very deep that way. But it's going, I want to just study out what the Bible says about this. And you will, you will find all these little nuggets along the way about other things that will lead you down these different paths. But those would be my three um, best tips so for good, really man. getting
0: into theology. So good. And hey, one last practical thing that I did on accident that I would challenge those listening. If you're listening, I'm challenging you to do this for one week. Actually change the location on your phone where the Bible app is and your Instagram app. Just switch those for this week and watch how many times you open the Bible app and you're like, oh, dang, I meant to hit Instagram. And, and number one, you'll feel convicted. And number two, Boom! There it is. You can open up. You can read the Bible app. So I that challenge awesome. you, man. If you if you're listening, that is uh, that's the game plan for you guys. Well, Austin, hey man, thank you so much for the time. And again, if if you guys are listening and man, you wanna you wanna lean a little bit deeper into what Austin's talking about, man. He has an incredible YouTube channel, and he um, puts out videos. It seems like once a week, or maybe once every couple weeks, that um, are on uh, IGTV. Uh, follow him on Instagram. Again, his content, it doesn't just feed you, um, but it actually challenges you and it causes you to go, hey, how can I actually not just receive this, but actually go dig a little bit deeper and and take that dive instead of that cannonball approach. So Austin, thanks so much, man, for for jumping on and uh, certainly uh, wish you obviously just an incredible summer and just an awesome, uh, you know, rest of obviously ministry stuff in the summer gets all fun and crazy with camps and whatnot. But for those that are listening, uh, thanks so much for tuning in and we will catch you guys next time.
1: Man, thank you so much. It It was awesome being here.